Hi everyone, welcome back to Date Night at the Coffee Shop podcast. I'm Bart. I'm Sam. And we are glad to have you guys on our date with us today. Um, today we've got some some cool stuff to talk about. Um, we found this this coffee by a company called the Stamp Act, um, and so that kind of led led us down a rabbit hole of what we could talk about for that. Um, so today we're actually going to be talking about the Stamp Act. The Stamp Act. Um, the Revolutionary War, uh, kind of the origins of the United States of America, uh, just to kind of, you know, hit on some of the high points, some of the low points, and some of the weird points. Mm-hmm. Um, so we hope you guys enjoy it. We have definitely uh, been interested in this. We're, we like to consider ourselves somewhat of history buffs. Um, history aficionados. Okay, I would not <laughs> take it quite that far, probably. <laughs> Um, I enjoy history, but I don't think that we're quite to that level. No, yeah, I agree. It's a hobby. Yeah. We like knowing where we've been. Yeah, I just like to know things. Um, and <laughs> and that encompasses, you know, the Stamp Act and the Revolutionary War. Yep. So <clears throat> This one was fun um, to research, though. Yeah, I imagine it was. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, just a quick heads up, you might hear a guest appearance from our dogs today. Um, some of our neighbors happen to be moving, and, and our dogs are not happy about it. No, they actually um, really care for our neighbors. It's kind of a big deal. They didn't even let us know or anything. No. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they've been putting up a fit all day. Uh, hopefully, you know, it won't be too distracting. Uh, but let's go ahead and move on. So, again, we're talking about the Stamp Act, the Revolutionary War, what have you. Um, our coffee of choice today, again, is from a company called Stamp Act Coffee. Um, this particular roast that we've got is their Mixteca Lot Number One, uh, and the beans are grown in Oaxaca, Mexico. Mm-hmm. Now, some of you might not know what is Oaxaca, Mexico. I've never heard of that before, and it's the one that looks like Oaxaca. Yeah, it's just not pronounced that way. It's pronounced Oaxaca. Oaxaca. Yeah. So, just for those that were a little confused <laughs> on on where that's from, Oaxaca. Yeah, Oaxaca, Mexico. Yep. Um, but yeah, no, Oaxaca, uh, it says here that they have notes of, tasting notes of Bosque pear, or maybe Bosch pear, I don't know. It's Bosque. Bosque, okay. I think. Uh, brown sugar and toasted walnut. You just gotta commit and like, act like you know what you're talking about. Oh, I do, but I just, I got on a rant on how things are pronounced, so I didn't want to, <laughs> I didn't want to do that and then be like, oh, well, you say that and then that's wrong. <laughs> so... Um, just right off the bat, we haven't tasted it yet. Yeah. Uh, but I can tell it, it's looking at when, when I open up the bag, the beans, um, it looks like it's probably a, a medium, medium to medium to medium light roast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it smells, it, the beans themselves smelled much more like fruity. Yeah. So. Yeah. A little fruity. That's the, the pear, uh, notes there. The coffee does smell more bitter, but that's to be expected with a medium roast coffee. Like... A little bit. So, I don't know if it's actually better, but it just smells more coffee-like than... Yeah. With with lighter roast, you're typically going to taste more... It's going to taste kind of greener. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Where you taste more of the actual bean. Right. Um, all right. So, let's go ahead and taste this. All right. Let's do it. Ooh. Ooh, that is green. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, so it definitely tastes greener than, than the dark roast that we typically get. Um, it is very bright. I feel like it tastes a little floral. Yeah. Um, I can get that. It's good though. It's really, it's really good. Um, it kind of sits really 
high in the nose, Mm -hmm. if that makes any sense to those of you that that do tastings. Um, It's good. Mm. It's very smooth. Yeah. I like this a lot. That's surprising to me because it does taste greener, and usually with, like, lighter and more green coffee, you get more bitter. Yeah. But it's... Or bitterer? I don't know. More bitter? Well, (laughs) it kind of... That just kind of depends on the beans. But it, and, and how it's made and all that kind um, of stuff. But this is really good. It's yeah. very, very well done. It is really good. Nice and smooth. Um, one thing that kind of I'm not hmm. a big fan of is the, the it, it comes in kind of a small package. It comes in a 12-ounce bag. Um, and when you get it, especially, it just, it, it looks like there's not a lot in there. Um, it's not a lot different than a lot of the ones you'll buy in a store. They just don't fold it over to make it look smaller. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, it's good, though. They're not trying to, like, mask how much is in the bag. Yeah. So, you know. But it's definitely definitely a fan of Stamp Act Coffee. I'll what probably, would you rate it? I would rate this a solid eight and a half. Really? Yeah. That's yeah, right up there with Blue Collar Joe. It's really good. Um, and it, for it to be a lighter roast, I'm especially surprised at how much i enjoy it yeah i'm gonna give it actually a seven like because i even though it's greener and not like usually what we drink we usually drink like the darkest roast possible but i'm gonna give it a seven it's good yeah Mm -hmm. i can just i can really taste that they they take a lot of care um and they really know what they're doing over at stamp x coffee Um, i'll probably try some of their other blends i highly encourage everyone to go check it out um i believe they're Website's just stampact.com. Stampactcoffee.com. Yeah, um, so go check them out. They've got several blends on there. They all look good. Again, the one that we tried this morning was the the Mixteca Lot Number One from Oaxaca, Mexico. Yeah, not sponsored. Yeah, no, not sponsored at all. Just great coffee. Yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and dig into our topic today. So again, we're talking about the Stamp Act and the Revolutionary War and how the United States of America got its start. Yep. You ready? Yeah, tell me about it. I'm ready to do you some learning. Okay, so according to History.com, the Stamp Act of 1765 was the first internal tax levied directly by British Parliament. So what it did was it imposed a tax on all paper documents in the colonies. Britain was in debt up to their eyeballs from the Seven Years' War, and they figured they could turn a profit from the colonies. Mm-hmm. So they just started taxing all paper. So what, is, what does that mean when they taxed all paper products? So basically, what I, from what I understand, it has to do with, like, the kind of paper that everything's printed on and, like, the stamps that they use. Like, it's mm-hmm. literally everything, like, comes from Britain. And, like, so they tax- just tax, like, them selling it? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, like... Um, so, as you can imagine, the Stamp Act was not very popular for the colonies. And this is in part where the phrase taxation without representation comes into play. Right. Which is kind of the backbone of the whole Revolutionary War. Mm-hmm. So, a number of Native Brits were upset about the Stamp Act as well, actually. And um, eventually, in 1766, the Act was repealed. But Parliament then passed the Declaratory Declaratory Act, which I can't speak today, uh, which stated that the Parliament's authority was the same in America as it was in Britain and ascertained that Parliament's authority to pass laws were binding on the American colonies. So, basically, the Stamp Act was kind of like, hey, what are you doing passing, like, 
acts and like stuff like that on us. Like the colonies were like, wait a minute. And they're like, okay, okay, we'll take that one away. But just so you know, you belong to us. Right. So then they passed. <laughs> so they, pa- they ended up passing a law basically just saying that you have to obey our laws that we pass. Right. Because we passed this law. Yeah. That doesn't really yeah. make sense. They're kind of like, hey, you're our property. Like, you're there because of us kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, many colonists saw this repeal as a victory. But as we know, there were plenty that did not see it that way. Okay. Because of the Declaratory Act. They're like, wait right. a minute. This right. is still not good. Okay. Then the Townsend Acts came into play um, in 1767. I don't think I'm familiar with the Townsend Acts. You kind of are, but they're you're not. You're probably not familiar with them as they were called then. Oh, uh, okay. Or like, anyway. So basically, Charles Townsend, he was the British Chancellor of Exchequer. I don't know what that is. Um, but Im- imposed duties on British china, glass, lead, paint, paper, and tea imported to the colonies. Mm-hmm. Then, good old Benny Franks himself told Parliament that the colonies had plans to start producing their own goods, and these items were actually chosen because they would be exceptionally difficult for the colonists to produce or acquire on their own. So, remember that I said that this was used to like use the colonies as a revenue stream? Mm-hmm. Well, these acts would serve as a way to remodel the way government was done in the colonies. The Townsend Acts would use the revenue raised by the duties to pay the salaries of colonial governors and judges, ensuring the loyalty of America's government officials to the British crown. Okay, so they, they used this as a way to fund the people that were already in power mm-hmm. to keep them loyal to, to Britain. Yep. Um, man, what a low blow. Yep. Especially, so Benjamin Franklin's um, point does seem interesting that I guess nobody really... I've never really heard the point before about how the items were chosen uh, mm-hmm. because they would be exceptionally difficult for colonists to produce on their own. Mm. Things like tea. China, glass, lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So he was kind of like, so this guy, Charles Townsend, was kind of like, we're going to do this kind of stuff. And Benjamin was like, well, they're going to start making their own products. And then Charles was like, oh, well, then we'll we'll tax the crap out of stuff that they can't get on their own. Mm. So... Um, Samuel Adams, along with the Sons of Liberty, a secret, yeah, (laughs) a secret organization of small business owners helped write letters to garner support for the boycott of British goods. In response to Britain, um, or in response, Britain sent over troops to occupy Boston. That small band of troops were threatened by a mob. And then the Boston massacre happened on March 5th of 1770, killing five people. I mean, five doesn't really seem like much of a massacre. Well, I think the fact that it was like all of these colonists were kind of like, hey, what are you doing here? We have a right to, like, boycott this stuff. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, that does seem kind of kind of shady. I mean, like, we're just saying, we're not going to buy your stuff then. So you're going to come make us buy your stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so um, the troops put on, were put on trial, and Samuel uh, Sam Adams actually is an attorney for the defense. Mm-hmm. On the same day as the massacre, this is kind of sad, the Prime Minister of Britain had requested that Parliament repeal the Townsend Acts and all of them except the one on tea was repealed. So, like, the same day the massacre happened, the Prime Minister was like, hey, maybe we maybe we shouldn't do this. Yeah, <laughs> They're so, getting kind of upset over there. <laughs> right, so they repealed them all except for tea. So we still had the tax on tea. Mm-hmm. And okay. then you know what happens with that. Yeah. 
1773, the Boston Tea Party takes place as an act of defiance against the tax on tea and the perceived, and very real, in my opinion, monopoly of the East India Company. So that's kind of why the Boston Tea Party happened. It was kind of like, hey, you're taxing this and you have a monopoly on, like, we can't get it. Like, Yeah, we can't get it anywhere else because you guys are the only company. Yes. So I'm going to go on a little tangent as I have, I've planned it into my notes. Okay. So the East India Company was an exploitive trade monopoly that quote unquote traded with East and Southeast Asia and India. Spain controlled it first, and then Britain won it from them in a battle, of course. They then turned into the British Mafia with their own army, taking what they wanted, pillaging places in the name of Britain. The term acquisitions, or like hostile takeover, kind of comes to mind. Um, They were douchebaggy corporate pirates, Uh basically. And I want to do an episode on true pirates, because I feel like maybe they were heroic, you know? Kind of sticking it to the man of the EIC. So, yeah. Yeah, I definitely, pirates would be a cool episode. Yeah. Um, but yeah, back to our topic. So yeah, anyways. So after the... be a trading company, not so great. Yeah. So after the Boston Tea Party, Britain passed what they called the Coercive Acts in 1774. We called them the Intolerable Acts. I can get behind that. Um, the four Intolerable Acts included the Massachusetts Government Act, which institutes an, an appointed governor over the previously elected local one. And they were kind of, so basically they were kind of like, no, no, he's, he's going to be the governor now. Mm -hmm. So we had already elected one. (laughs) Yeah. And then they just made a law that said, oh, we can just pick one for you, Mm -hmm. even though you've already elected your own. Yes. And then the next one was the Boston Port Bill, which basically closed the Boston Harbor. Mm-hmm. And then the administration, right? The Administration of Justice Act, Act, which dictated that British officials could be tried in another colony or in England if charged with capital offenses. So it's like basically to avoid the whole like Boston Massacre trial thing, where it's kind of like, hey, if our people do something, we don't have to listen to your sense of justice. They can come back home, and we'll take care of them. Right. Wink, wink. Then there was the Quartering Act which um, said that unoccupied buildings could be used to quarter British troops. So it was like a hostile takeover of their own territory, basically is what these intolerable acts were. Right, so unoccupied buildings could be used to quarter troops. So, I mean, at least it's good that they're not, like, kicking people out of their homes, but they're just basically saying, we can seize any building that's not being occupied and just house our troops in there. Which makes me wonder, too, if it's almost just like, hey, this building's unoccupied, right? You know what I mean? Like, right. Very good point. Yeah, I mean, they could just kick people out and say, well, it's unoccupied now. Yeah. So, okay, instead of intimidating Massachusetts and isolating it from the other colonies like the acts intended, the intolerable acts became the justification for the convening of the first Continental Continental Congress later in 1774. And the rest is quite literally history. Nice. You done messed up, Britain. <laughs> <laughs> So, so yeah. that's when our first Congress got started. Yep. And that's... Interesting. That's how we got here. Cool. I thought that was so <laughs> fascinating that it all... that I mean, I'm sure it started before that, but the Stamp Act right. was kind of the catalyst. Kind of like, oh, we're going to tax paper. It's fine. We're going to use you to make money for us. And then they were like, wait a minute. You yeah, can't so tell us kinda, what to do. <laughs> that just kind of kicked everybody on a whole rabbit trail of... Mm-hmm craziness Mm -hmm. um so then we get our first continental congress in 1774 um and then the revolutionary war happens where we say you know what we've had enough we're gonna do this ourselves yep 
<clears throat> like you can't do like you can't you can't tell us what to do you know yeah <laughs> yeah so that's that's kind of where looks like that's where we're going to kind of stop just our history portion yeah um so right up to the revolutionary war yeah um, and which, i think it's interesting that like i think it's like politically interesting that britain was kind of like oh okay fine we'll take the stamp act away but just so you know you still have to do what we say you know what i mean like with the the uh, declaratory act or whatever it was it's like it's like politically that's actually a really smart move it's like okay fine 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 we'll we'll do what you want but you still have to obey us right it's like "Mm, i don't know about that (laughs) so do you have any facts for me yes i do so facts about the colonies delaware's state quarter has the face of its founding father on it however no one has actually seen him they know no one knows what he looks like because he had a severe form of facial cancer and kept his face covered with a green cloth. Huh. I've never heard that before. Yep. I didn't realize that... How do we know it was cancer? Didn't they, they didn't really know what cancer was back then. Yeah, Mike, this is, this is a weirdly specific fact because it's like, why is it a green cloth? Like, is it... Are, it could be that their governor was actually a woman and they didn't want anybody to know. I mean, it could be. <laughs> I don't think that's as likely. <laughs> Probably not likely. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe it was just like a disfigurement. Maybe it was like so... I don't know. No clue. Hmm. Interesting, though. Okay. So, you know that part in The Patriot where Heath Ledger's character is sewn into bed? Yeah. That totes actually happened. So, well, not with him, but you know what I mean. Bed bundling was a common practice to ensure compatibility with that the couple would share a bed before marriage. It really... That kind of stuff actually happened. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. So first of all, The Patriot is a great movie. I love Absolutely. it. It's one of the best. Um, so they they wanted them to sleep in the same bed. Yes. But not able to do anything. Right. So I mean, what's the point then? I mean, what what does that mean? Ensure compatibility. I wonder if it was um, make sure they don't snore too much. Yeah, or something? it was probably like snoring or like bad bed habits or whatever. I don't know. I mean, I don't think you can really judge a person's bed habits that well if they're sewn into a bed sheet. I mean, that's going to kind of hinder some of their movement and stuff, I would imagine. Yeah. I mean, I wiggle. If we had done bed bundling, like you may, maybe you wouldn't have married me because I wiggle a lot. You do wiggle a lot. <laughs> okay, so during the colonial era, marriage has lasted an average less than 12 years. We're doing pretty good by colonial standards. Um, huh. Yeah. That's, that seems awfully short. Yeah, well, it's because of high mortality rates. <clears throat> oh, wow. Yeah. So, in 1700, the average age of death for, an, for English men in Virginia was 48. One-third to one-half of all children lost at least one parent before the age of 21. And in the South, more than half of children 13 and under had uh, lost at least one parent. Huh. Yeah. A lot of orphans. Yep. Wow. So, yes. Uh, so we missed one here. Um, Where is it? Oh, yeah. Many colonial Americans took payment not in cash, but in leaf. Um, so due to chronic shortage of official English coin, colonists bought and sold items with tobacco or other related commodities to which colonial authorities assigned a certain value in like pounds, shillings, pence, that kind of stuff. Okay. So that was actually going to be my question was what kind of leaf? I'm sure it was probably tobacco. And yes. so, yes, it was. Mm-hmm. But tobacco was huge back in the colonial days and mm-hmm. there were tobacco farms everywhere. And there still are several up in that area. So I think. fun fact, um, a lot of, plantations started um in charleston kind of area because 
of like tobacco farms. Mm. Like they had um, run out of room where they were originally. Right. And so they were like, oh, we'll go to the colonies and start a plantation and then slavery. So, well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but so this, yeah. this idea of um, trading in leaf, it's, it's just kind of cool because it's like, yeah. you know, the idea that. Well, tobacco leaf is typically, let's say, ten dollars. Mm-hmm. I know it wouldn't be ten dollars back then, but so that basically is like, I have a ten dollar bill now. Mm-hmm. I just haven't gotten the money yet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's cool. And it's interesting to me because literally, like, there are many points throughout his history, like even ancient history, where like the the bartering for goods and like monies, and so mm-hmm. money literally only has the value that you give it. Well, yeah. And it's like we could we could trade potatoes, we could trade tobacco leaves, we could trade rocks, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we could, but it has to have some value to the other party. It well, yeah, that's true. It has to have some value to the other party. That's a good point. Okay, thanks for stopping me mid rant or before I got to my rant. Okay, so the term turncoat actually comes from an ancient practice where you would wear your allegiance on your actual coat in the form of a pin or a badge, and you would turn your coat inside out to hide your allegiance. Huh, that's so interesting. It has a deeper and like more sinister connotation than say like a traitor or whatever because with a turncoat like you're hiding who you're who you're loyal, loyal to. Right. It's kind of like it's it huh. implies a more like nefarious kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. I always just thought it was just cuz like you you just turned around. Right. <laughs> and like, you know, you just like on the battlefield or something, and you just, like, turned and went to the other side or mm-hmm. something. But that's interesting. So it's about turning turning your coat inside out mm-hmm. to hide, to your... hide your allegiance. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. cool. Yep. I thought that was really interesting. Um, let's see. Other British-American colonies that never became states include the lost colony of Roanoke. Which we'll get to. We can talk about that at another time. Um, And Plymouth Colony, which actually became part of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. Okay. So the Lost Colony of Roanoke. Some of you may have heard of that. And I guess we're going to do an episode. Is there enough for an episode on that, you think? I mean, I could make an entire episode out of it. Okay. So we'll do an episode on Roanoke. We should just do, like, Um, horrible crimes of colonial America. And we can talk about how, like, Jamestown had cannibalism and, like, Roanoke Colony just whoosh disappeared yeah it would be great yeah we'll get to some of that that sounds cool yeah okay so the last fact i have is actually that the original settlers uh, settlers of jamestown were all men women did not arrive until nine months later i mean that makes sense because they probably sent all the men over there to like build mm-hmm. and stuff to like yeah. get ready for their women to come over yep and um they i read somewhere else too this is part of that fact i didn't put it in the notes but part of that fact is that we did, we, the colonies, um, did mail-order brides. We're, like, the first people to do mail-order brides. Huh. Because, essentially, people heard, like, the women were kind of, heard how awful it was in the colonies. Like, because it was real gruesome and, like, all that stuff. And they were like, mm, I don't, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't, I don't think so. But they offered, like, this service where they were like, hey, we'll offer you a ton of clothes. Like, it was kind of like a dowry almost, where they were like, we'll offer you a ton of clothes, like, everything you need to set up your house. Right. You get to, like, pick your man. Hmm. So, like, they would have, like, all of these, a bunch of suitors that they could choose from, you know, and they'd be like, all right, I guess I'll, I guess I'll choose you, and I'll get all of this cool stuff, too. Right. So, yeah. I thought that was really interesting. That is kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Odd, but... 
Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, yeah, so we got anything else on this one? No, that's what I got so far. That's so, it. Yeah, definitely interesting. Um, another kind of short episode. Um, again, just making up from that Star Wars episode <laughs> so long. So Our first um, one, True Crime, was pretty long too, though. Yeah, yeah, so... We're giving you guys um, a breather. Yeah, yeah, definitely enjoy this while you can, because I'm sure we'll get to some topics that are going to take a while. <laughs> uh, but we hope you guys definitely enjoyed it. We enjoyed talking about it and researching Ooh, it. Yes, and if you have other cool facts, like the whole bed bundling stuff, or I will say, I tried to find like more adult and like grown-up facts about the colonies and all that kind of stuff, like weird, odd, disturbing, you know. Mm-hmm. I couldn't find any. Apparently my internet explorer thinks I'm, or internet browser thinks I'm 12. Because uh-huh. it, it was like colonial facts for kids. And I'm yeah, just like, most of it, I'm sure, is probably <laughs> for like school projects and stuff. Especially right now. Most but. people don't. You know, most people that are talking about it are doing it for school. Or yeah. Some sort of educational. So I would reason. love to hear your strange colonial America facts. Yeah, send us some facts. You can send those to date night coffee shop at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Um, be on the lookout too. We'll probably follow up with another like weird crazy facts episode um i hope i can find enough things like roanoke yes jamestown cannibalism cannibalism. a lot of crazy stuff happened that we didn't get to today um so be on the lookout for that again we hope you guys enjoyed this episode we enjoyed talking about it uh really enjoyed this coffee from the stamp act coffee company Mm -hmm. um again you can find them at stampactcoffee.com um hope you guys enjoyed it uh again yeah if you guys have any you know any topics you want us to talk about any Any coffees any coffees you want us to try you can always send those to us date night coffee shop at gmail.com um i've had a great time i hope you guys enjoyed it happy date night happy date night so i'm bart i'm sam hope you guys enjoyed it bye Bye. guys